Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. What is your standard handling for an upset? If you have an argument with someone or a bad experience with someone or a group, let's say, how do you deal with it? Go ahead and ask yourself this question and take an honest look. If you're like most of us, you probably handle it this way, by no longer communicating with it. Isn't that so? You have a spat with a spouse, no communication for weeks, and then, of course, we never bring up that subject again, whatever that subject is. How many children's lives become lost to bad influences because their parents won't listen? They might talk, but do they communicate? The parents I'm talking about. I, I don't know what's wrong with my daughter. Just She just won't talk to me. How often do I hear something like that? Or I don't get along with my boss, or I hate where I work, and I can't wait to get out of there and drown my misery in a few drinks, or, or let me quit for the 13th time and see if I can find a better place to work, or a better career, or a better state, or a better country. I wonder if there's a better planet I can move to. Beam me up, Scotty. It's tough, of course, when the business you want to quit happens to be your own business. So you have to ask yourself, how effective is this policy of ceasing to communicate with the things one feels one can no longer deal with? Let's take an example. Like, imagine you have an upset with your car. And so to some degree, you go out of communication with your car. What's going to happen? Sooner or later, you're going to be the effect of that car. You're going to have an accident or it's going to break down on you. Similarly, if you have enough arguments and things we won't talk about with a spouse, is it going to surprise you to discover hidden affairs or hidden credit card charges or that you might start down that slippery slope yourself? And how many parents become shocked to find out things about the lives of their children long after they could have done something effective about it? And then how does that affect their lives? If the optimum situation would seem to be to have one's life under control, one would have to have the elements of one's life in communication. Isn't that so? Can you control something you're not communicating with? And yet again and again, we solve our problems by ceasing to communicate with them. I hate doing taxes. So the tax returns remain in drawers somewhere, uncommunicated with. And then how does that roll out? I hate dealing with my weight. Let's get rid of that scale in the bathroom. This country is going to hell. I'm going to move to Timbuktu. I hear it's awesome over there. There is a stable datum that Mr. Hubbard teaches us, and this is from an article, 16 March 1971, and he puts this first sentence in all capital letters, so it's important. He says here, quote, any problem that does not solve is not the problem. There must be some other problem, end quote. Is the problem that we are communicating and thus the solution is not to communicate? Have you ever noticed that those who are constantly changing jobs or groups to get the right fit are constantly changing jobs or groups? That the person looking for the right, quote, significant other, end quote, commonly has a long string of broken relationships? Or that the guy who moved to Timbuktu found his problems followed him there? Just as a word, by the way, as an aside here, when dealing with suppressive or oppressive social or political circumstances. Does moving to another state or country solve anything, really? Suppression, unchecked, spreads. And if you don't do what needs to be done to check it, 
Who is supposed to do that for you? There is no mountaintop on earth that will be beyond the reach of suppression if the strong amongst us don't turn and face it down. Sooner or later, one must draw a line in the sand. And the later one does, the greater are the odds against one, as the teammates one could or would have had to stand at your side may have already fallen. So what is the correct problem? Only by isolating the correct problem can one isolate the correct solution. Isn't that so? Today, we are going to read from one of Mr. Elwin Hubbard's extraordinary books. I was going to say most extraordinary, but I could say that about all his books. When I'm asked which of his books are my favorites, I, I usually answer the one I'm reading. Anyway, this book was published in 1955 and is commonly referred to as Dianetics 55, but has a subtitle people sometimes forget, which is The Complete Manual of Human Communication. This is about the most vital book anyone has ever heard of if you want to master communication, and as I hope you're beginning to see, to master life, you better learn to master communication. So we pick this up towards the end of chapter 7, so I'll read this to you now. I'm actually picking this up mid-paragraph, almost mid-concept, but let's see how this goes. He says here, and this is, of course, are Mr. Hubbard's words from the book, he says, we might go so far as to say that the reason communication takes place Instead of occupying the same space and knowing for, and then he puts in parentheses, for communication introduces the idea of distance, is that one is unwilling to be to the degree necessary to be anything. One would rather communicate than be. So, yeah, we wouldn't really need communication. These are now my words. We wouldn't really need communication if we could just be the other person because then we would know and be everything the other person knows and be, so there's no need to really communicate. You could even be a group. You could be a community. You could be anything, really. He says, one is unwilling to be to the degree necessary to be anything. One would rather communicate than be. So we're not willing to be the whole town, so we're going to communicate with the town. In other words, we're not being it. We're communicating with it. So communication, apparently, then, is something that we use in lieu of being something. I hope you follow all that. But anyway, it gets a little easier. These are quite high concepts, but one could imagine that if one were being one's family, one would need to communicate less with one's family because one's being it. So you would therefore know what your youngest daughter is worrying about and what your son is dealing with and so forth because you're being them, right? And to the degree you can be them, you would require of course, less communication. But we're not being those things, so we communicate with those things. You might, it's an interesting experiment if you have a problem with a machine or, you know, an automobile, try to just be it. And sometimes you can uh, pick right up on what the problem is with that. I've never really tried, now that I think about it, I suppose I could try being a group and seeing if I can figure out the problems within that group would probably work just fine. But anyway, we don't generally be the group or company or organization. We generally communicate with it. That is the means by which we handle or deal with things, right? So he says, he goes on to say this, thus we find that the inability to communicate is a gradient scale that goes down along with the inability to be. Now, do you see this incredible connection that he's, that he's now made here? And it's, it's, if you look at it, it's very true. It says, thus we find that the inability to communicate 
is a gradient scale that goes down along with the inability to be. Then he illustrates this further. We get individuals winding up as only willing to be themselves, whatever that is, and thus becoming the, quote, only one, end quote. So you see these people that are highly self-centered, highly selfish. They're the only one, and they're basically in like a battle or full-scale war against the other aspects of their lives. We call these aspects of life, by the way, as we've covered earlier in Business Wise, Mr. Hubbard broke down the urge to survive that every being has into eight major, what we call dynamics. A dynamic is an urge to survive that motivates you to operate in a way, in a certain way. You know, what, what is the dynamic that gets me out of bed every morning so that I can work out? Well, you know, so that I can keep myself healthy and fit. Well, that could be called a first dynamic drive because it's a dynamic of self seeking to survive better as self. And then, of course, when you're working very hard for your family and you want to provide for them and you want to care for them and you want to protect them, that urge would be the second dynamic, the dynamic of family or sex. And then you've got the third dynamic, dynamic of groups, where some men and women will work their first dynamic to the bone just for the survival of their third dynamic. They have a very strong third dynamic urge. So these are called the dynamics. And there's another dynamic called the fourth dynamic, the mankind dynamic. And then it goes up from there, right? But he says here, we get individuals winding up as only willing to be themselves, whatever that is, and thus becoming the, quote, only one, end quote. To the degree that a person becomes the, quote, only one, end quote, he is unwilling to communicate on the remaining dynamics. Put that down in letters of fire. He is to the degree that a person becomes the, quote, only one, end quote, he is unwilling to communicate on the remaining dynamics. An individual who has become only himself is in a sad and sorry plight of being off the second, third, and fourth dynamics, at least. He continues to say, it might be seen by someone that the solution to communication is not to communicate. One might say that if he hadn't communicated in the first place, he wouldn't be in trouble now. Why, well, that's the truth. Oh, I never went to work for that company. He got no problem with that company. He never went and married that girl. Had no problem with that girl. I never had any children. Have no problem with children because I'm not communicating with those things. I never started to communicate with them. So that sounds like a happy state of affairs. No communication, no problems. Hey, wait a minute, not so fast. He goes on to say this. So Mr. Hubbard says, perhaps there is some truth in this. He then makes this point. A man is as dead as he can't communicate. He is alive as he can communicate. Look to your own experience. Who are the people that are really living? Be honest. What do you notice about them? They're in communication with things. They're in communication with other people. They're in communication with their families, with their businesses, with their adventures. They are alive. Why? Because they're communicating. Now let's think about somebody totally withdrawn and not communicating at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> what about that employee who just, you know, seems to be to themselves and resists being in communication with other employees and, you know, maybe does some administrative work but isn't really in communication even with that? That person ends up, well, they're dying, really. 
they're really not that great an asset to the group. Then you got the people who are constantly, quote unquote, communicating, but that's not real communication. They're not listening to people. They're just on a compulsive outflow of communication and they're not really hearing anything, anything said to them. And Anyway, that's a whole other story. That's a breakdown of what is actual communication, which you should study. You know, Mr. Robert did a tremendous amount of research into the subject. This book is all about that. We're only taking one little segment of it. But the bottom line is, I think you know that not everything that you hear is real communication. Now said about that. But he says, a man is as dead as he can't communicate. He is as alive as he can communicate. With countless tests, I have discovered, this is Mr. Hubbard, with countless tests, I have discovered to a degree which could be called conclusive that the only remedy for livingness is further communicatingness. One must add to his ability to communicate. Then he makes this very interesting observation for those of you who have studied these subjects. It's, it's very interesting, and you can see how this all comes together. He says here, probably the only major error which exists in Eastern philosophy, and probably the one at which I balked when I was young, was this idea that one should, quote, withdraw from life, end quote. It seemed to me that every good friend I had amongst the priests and holy men was seeking to pull back and cut off his communications with existence. Whatever the textbooks of Eastern philosophy may say, this was a practice of the people who were best conversant with Eastern mental and spiritual know-how. Thus, I saw individuals taking 14 or 18 years in order to get up to a high level of spiritualistic serenity. I saw a great many men studying and very few arriving. To my impatient and possibly, quote, practical, end quote, Western viewpoint, this was intolerable. So, yeah, I mean, we can talk about spiritual men from the Far East and their approach to achieving spiritual serenity by withdrawing from life, but we can also see it amongst our friends and family. You know, the person who has decided that they have been hurt too much and therefore lives a life alone and uh, makes few friends and does not open up in terms of their communication with others. How happy are they? How causative are they across the dynamics? How much of an influence are they making on society? And how much happiness are they truly achieving for themselves? This is something that you should look for. It's uh, particularly valuable when you're looking for people to hire or to do a business with or to make a social relationship with, a friendship or a marriage. You know, what is their level of communication? How able are they to communicate? And you might as well just say, how able are they to handle their lives? Because the two go directly hand in hand. So he says, finally, he wraps up this uh, chapter with this last paragraph. He says, for a great many years, I asked this question, to communicate or not to communicate? If one got himself in such thorough trouble by communication, then, of course, one should stop communicating. But this is not the case. If one gets himself into trouble by communicating, he should further communicate. 
Think about that. If you look at the troubles you're having with your business, if you're looking at the troubles you're having with your life, you will observe a common denominator. There is difficulty with communication. Let's say you have a sales area and the sales area is not doing well and you're racking your skull trying to figure out what to do. Well, I can tell you one thing you can do. Go in there and communicate. And I don't just mean talk. Observe. That's communication too. Look, see, duplicate what's going on. Keep looking until you find what's going on for real. You're looking for, of course, the why that will open the door to a handling. You're not listening to just explanations and excuses. You look and you communicate and you dig. There's a whole episode we did uh, many, many, many episodes ago called Understanding What You Don't Understand or Understanding What You Can't Understand, which is a fast episode on how to investigate areas that you're having difficulty with. I recommend you listen to it. I think if you just put the keyword understand in your search bar there, in your search field, you'll find it. But the bottom line is, you're communicating with that thing, aren't you? Car is giving you trouble? Keep communicating. Understand it better. Learn what all the different parts are or find a mechanic who's willing to communicate until they get to the bottom of it. That's what solves that problem. Same thing with your business. If your business is giving you trouble, I can tell you that underneath that difficulty is a lack of communication, an unwillingness to communicate, or an inability to communicate with the right things. Where do you, where do you look? How do you look? What are the questions that you should be asking? There is know-how to this, and that's what you're studying when you study the Hubbard Management System. That's, that's a very significant aspect of it. But anyway, we just want to do a little recap on this, but just remember this stable datum that the odds are that the things that are giving you difficulty are the things you've ceased to communicate with or you've been unwilling to communicate with, and therefore you are communicating with them less. And just use that as a rule of thumb. Difficulty? Better start communicating. Uh, and having difficulty with my boss? How should I communicate with my boss? By the way, it's worth studying how one should approach that communication. I'm not saying just march into the boss's office and say, let's have it out. The boss asking for reports that you're not providing, data from your position that you're not providing, or maybe they're not asking for those things, but you probably should be reporting those things. This is particularly important in remote management. If you're handling a branch, for instance, office, of a central office. Well, don't think that the central office is going to communicate, you know, through the ether and by osmosis absorb all your difficulties and problems. It's very easy to blame the central office because you are out of communication with them and therefore you're not able to, quote, handle them or control them. Don't think that control isn't a two-way street. One, as an employee or as a junior or as a junior executive, must learn how to control your senior echelons just as your senior echelons must learn to control you to some extent or another, right? It's a mutual causation here. It's not like you should be, oh, I'm totally the effect of my boss and therefore I just do whatever they say and it's a one-way street. No, it doesn't work like that. If you're not willing and able to control your boss and you see your boss starting to do something stupid or go off the rails, you're going to suffer too, aren't you? So there's a necessity there to communicate both ways and to handle both ways. So uh, let's wrap this up with this last paragraph. He says, I'll repeat the earlier part of it. He says, for a very great many years, I asked this question, to communicate or not to communicate? If one got himself in such thorough trouble by communication, then of course one should stop communicating. But this is not the case. If one gets himself into trouble by communicating, he should 
further communicate, more communication, not less, is the answer. And I consider this riddle solved after a quarter of a century of investigation and pondering. I'll run Hubbard. All right, so this was a fundamental lesson. I guess you've probably observed if you're following business-wise, we did this long series on the admin scale at the expense, perhaps, of some fundamentals I felt were very, very important to relay to you. We've talked about the greatest gift. We've talked about the clue to happiness. We've talked about how to be bulletproof. Talked about products. Of course, we revisited that. And uh, the golden rule for success. And today, I thought we would talk about Another essential, essential, fundamental communication. To communicate or not to communicate. So I hope you got something out of this uh, episode. And if you did, please do give us a like or leave us a comment or both. You can always write us, of course, at info at wiseeastus.org. Let us know how you're coming along. The podcast seems to continue to gain more and more popularity. We're very, very happy about that, of course, because that's the whole idea is to reach as many people as possible and to give them some sane words of business wisdom from Mr. Hubbard. Okay, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk again next week.